welcome to the Movie Journey Podcast, where we break down every movie from the IMDb Top 250 list, giving our own thoughts and reviews and any general discussion along the way. My name is Daniel Henderson, occupation, podcaster. And I'm Dean Jeffrey, and now I know where Mad Max Fury Road got its plot from. Oh, that was part of my notes, you piece of shit. Take that away from me. <laughs> so I'm not wrong. Glad you agree with me. No, I completely agree with you. And today we're breaking down the Buster Keaton silent film classic, The General. Yes, we are, Hendo. What else are we doing today, though? Well, after the breakdown, we'll take a look at some reviews from our listeners. We'll take a look at our question of the week, which is, what is your favourite silent film? Which is our top five, as usual. We're going to take a look at the results of round six of our Tournament of Champions. And then we're going to find out, after all that, Dean's next choice. I'm very curious what you've got uh, coming up. Uh, I, I have a, I have an inkling, but I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to confirm it yet. Oh yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But before we get to that, I'll just give everyone a quick reminder that we will be spoiling the 1926 film The General uh, in the breakdown. So if you haven't had a chance to see it in the last 94 years, then that's on you. That absolutely, is on you. It is available for free on YouTube, so go ahead and check it out. Uh, but we'll come back with our breakdown of the general. General, a silent comedy released in 1926, starring Buster Keaton and Marion Mack, written and directed by Clyde Bruckman and Buster Keaton. The story centers around an engineer who, when the Union spies steal his beloved locomotive, he pursues it single-handedly and straight through enemy lines. It was actually inspired by the Great Locomotive Chase, which was a true story of an event that occurred during the American Civil War. Did you read up on the Great Locomotive Chase, Dean? Nah, just missed that one, mate. What was oh, that I just about? missed it. You know, you had over 100 years to check this one out. You didn't bother <laughs> to look it up. Yeah. It actually happened in April 1886, where Union agent James J. Andrews led a squad of about 21 people dressed in civilian clothes into the southern states. Their mission was to sabotage the rail line and disrupt the Confederate's army supply chain. They stole a locomotive known as the General, and we had William Fuller and Jeff Kane, the conductor and engineer of the General, pursued the stolen train by rail and foot. They ended up apprehending the men. They were captured. They were tried as spies, and they were all hanged. Wow, that's a uh, a different ending to this one, then. Yeah, not not as light and bubbly, I'd say. Hmm, that sounds like it's. They may as well have put a based on a true story at the start of this film. Maybe they didn't want people to be th- well because the fact that this is a, a kind of a comedy, or not kind of, it basically is a comedy. They're going to be like. That didn't happen. Yeah, I guess. I guess. The story was adapted from the memoirs of the Great Locomotive Chase by William Pittenger. So Buster Keaton wanted to use the real locomotive general, which was at Nashville, Chattanooga, and St. Louis Union Depot in Chattanooga, Tennessee. The railroad initially permitted him to do so, even providing him with a, bu- with a branch line to film on. However, when they found out that it was going to be a comedy, they withdrew the permission and Keaton had to look elsewhere. <laughs> okay, I guess a lot of people probably died and they didn't want, you know, Buster Keaton making fun of it. Yeah, that sounds about right. So we have producer Joseph Schneck here. He gave Buster Keaton about $400,000 to make this film. So the production company moved with 18 freight cars of props and sets to Oregon. In the next two months, the town of Marietta, Georgia was built near the Oregon town of Cottage Grove. That sounds like a very, very large amount of money for 1926. Uh, that's, that's not even the amount of the budget in the end. That's the initial money they gave him. Wow. Buster Keaton shot most of this film outdoors in Oregon because the narrow-gauge railroad tracks that could accommodate antique locomotives were still in use at the time. He actually grew his hair long for this film to match the men's hair of the time, as seen in most Confederate photographs. Yeah, I love that this is actually a period piece. So, in the 20s, they were thinking, you know what? <laughs> we need to go further back in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He shot about 200,000 feet, about, which is almost 38 miles of film for this picture. That, that is a lot. I mean, is it? I have no 
you know, reference point. I feel like it is. Considering that the trivia pointed it out, I'd say it's a lot. I'd say it's a lot. So it sounds like you have no reference point either. <laughs> this is this is the first time I've seen trivia about the length of film shots since No Country for Old Men. I think it has some significance. Okay. Buster Keaton always said that this was his favourite of his own movies. Can you name any other Buster Keaton movies? Is Buster Keaton the guy that hung off the clock face? No, that was like the third of the silent comedy trilogy. We had Charlie Chaplin, Buster Keaton, and the other guy. Ah, the other guy. And I have watched. I have watched the film. It's called Safety Last. I watched that uh, during the movie watching challenge. I can't remember the guy's name. Harry. Harry something? No, not that guy. Oh, I was close. It's not Harry. It's Harold Lloyd. Harold Lloyd is close to Harry. Well, I thought Harry, Lloyd, Dumb and Dumber, comedy. It all fits. Close enough. No, Buster Keaton has done Sherlock Jr. We've done this. We've done that film. (laughs) (laughs) Were you setting me up for that? Like, oh, can you name any other movies? You know, like the one we've already done. (laughs) God, yeah, okay. Do you remember Sherlock Jr. at all? Not a single thing about it. Wow. You are terrible. Absolutely terrible. So, the real, the general locomotive built in 1855 in Patterson, New Jersey, is at the is at the Southern Museum of Civil War and Locomotive History in Kennesaw, Georgia at the moment. I don't think it's going anywhere. Why not? Didn't they make things to last back then? The train? Yeah. Well, they don't need to use it anymore. It's over, what, 150 years old now. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. But this was released on the 25th of December in 1926. Now, the runtime. I have five different runtimes here. It looks like it's just gradually chopped and changed over the years from 67 minutes to 80, 83, 75, 78. And the reason why that is, is because in 1954, the film entered the public domain in the United States because its claimant did not renew its copyright registration in the 28th year after publication. So that means that basically anyone could copy the film and make up their own weird edits and things along the way. So... There's many different varieties of this film out there right now. I saw a 79-minute version. I saw the 75-minute version. Ah, okay. There you go. So, the tagline for this is, Buster drives the general to train load of laughter. I mean, that's fine. I don't think you can complain too hard on that one. I have three separate ones here. We have the tale of a lad, a lass, and a locomotive. That's okay. This one's terrible. The laugh hit spectacular of the year. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's fine. And sort of a play on the second one. Love, locomotives, and laughs. Okay. First one's the best. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So, the budget ended up being roughly about 750000 to $1,000,000. Did you do any inflation this time, Dean? Did you? Yes. Oh, uh, then no. I left it for you this week. Of course. Of course. What did that end up being? $1,000,000 in 1926 to now is $14,000,000. Oh, so not that much. Dee, I really would have said a lot more than that. Yeah, 14 million by today's standards. Well, there's no special effects and all that shit in this film, so uh, maybe it didn't cost as much as you you would have thought. So according to a temporary United Artists press release, the film employed about 3,000 people and was costing about $400 an hour to make. Apparently, Buster Keaton was absolutely out of control on this film. He was building real bridges and having dams constructed in order to change the depths of rivers. The producer was pretty angry at Keaton over the growing costs. There were also numerous onset accidents that contributed to the budget. This included Keaton being knocked unconscious, an assistant director being shot in the face with a blank cartridge, a train wheel running over a brakeman's foot, resulting in a $3,000 lawsuit, and the train's wood-burning engine causing numerous fires around the place. Yeah, I feel like they might struggle to get that film made now the way they were doing it back then. (laughs) Absolutely. And like I said, budget of uh, maximum $1 million, and the box office return was about $1 million on this film. This was not a success. Really? Yeah. Why is it so famous then? 
Well, I mean, so famous in re- in regards to silent films. Because since its release up to now, it is, you know, everyone's gone back and reevaluated it and has gone ahead and said this is one of the best films ever made. But at the time, its initial release, it was fared pretty poorly in its critical reception. We heard reviews of Far From Funny, It's a Flop. The production itself is singularly well-mounted, but the fun is not exactly plentiful. This is by no means as good as Mr. Keaton's previous efforts, neither straight comedy nor its altogether thrilling drama, including one person who said it's long and tedious. Long and tedious. Wow. I I would have about a hundred different adjectives I would describe this film before I got too long. Yeah. No, or I, tedious for that matter. Yeah, I, I second that. So, because of the critical and financial failure of this film, the producer and head of United States Artists sold Keaton's contract to MGM, and Buster Keaton would never again have complete creative control over any of his films. Jesus. The, the, I mean, they're making out like this was just a disaster of a film. That's so weird. It was, it was to them. It was. It didn't make any money. It cost them a fortune. It didn't. It, no one liked it. They're like, right, we're done with you, Keaton. See you later. Mm. But like I said, the general has since been reevaluated, and it is now ranked amongst the greatest American films ever made. In 1989, it was selected by the Library of Congress to be included in the first class of films for preservation in the National Film Registry. It was in, it made it into the registry in the first year it was enacted. It went into the registry along with The Best Years of Our Lives, Casablanca, Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind, Singing in the Rain, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, Star Wars, Sunset Boulevard, and The Wizard of Oz, all in the same year. And that is like the first class of it. Yeah. That, those are some classics there. Absolutely. Interestingly, is is The General the only silent film I heard you say then? That is true. Huh, take that, Chaplin. Yeah, but let's look at some reception from this day and age. Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it 93 and the audience give it 92, saying brilliantly filmed and fueled with classic physical comedy, The General captures Buster Keaton at his timeless best. There is no score for Metacritic. I couldn't find it there anywhere. Letterboxd give it a 4.1, but let's have a look at the history of The General in the IMDb Top 250 list. Before we get to that, do you think there's a chance that the Metacritic people actually gave something a positive score and thought they better actually just take it off before yeah, anyone gets the wrong that. idea about them? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they didn't even put it up. They saw it like, this is good. We can't review this. <laughs> All right. This debuted on the list on the 1st of August in 1999 at number 86 on the list. And it has had quite a little run here. It's, uh, its highest it ever got to was 56 in 2001. And then it had a slight decline. Well, I wouldn't say slight. It had a pretty big decline down to 162 with a little bump up to about 115 in about 2011. And it has since started to decline rapidly to where it currently sits right now at number 199 with an 8.1 average over 78,000 ratings. There you go. Still there, which is why we're here. That's right. All right, Dean, let's get into the general. So, it's set in 1861. Uh, what war is going on? Is this the American Civil War? I believe it is the Civil War, yes. What what I like about this film is they don't really get into it too much. It's the, it's kind of a, a very loose backdrop to what's actually happening. It's like the North are fighting the South. That's all you need to know. I mean, aren't the North the good guys? Depends who's depend who depends who's in, in idea it is. Depends whose opinion it is. Maybe I mean, the people who are for the South think the South, they're the good guys. Like the Confederate flag, racist slave owners. Isn't that the South back in those days? I'm sure it's all cleaned up now, of course. <laughs> of course. And bear in mind, this was filmed in the uh, late 20s. <laughs> yeah, ex- oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the the North did win. Well, you've done more research than me. Despite what this movie this movie might uh, have you believe. Oh, yeah, they make you think that the South won this. I mean, they won this battle, at least, in the film. Yeah, but the way it ends up, it, lo- it looked like to me the two big generals of it just like we're calling a truce or some shit. This is Lincoln-era stuff. 
See, us Aussies, we don't know shit about American history. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime the Civil War comes, I'm like, ah, I'm out. Civil War, North versus South, and the South's, you know. General Lee, he's a bloke, isn't he? He is a bloke. Uh, top bloke? I don't know if he's a top bloke. Robert E. Lee. I think he was, yeah, he's South. Ah, uh, he's not a top bloke. What about Ulysses S. Grant? Have you heard of that name? When I know Ulysses Grant, yes. Is he the top bloke? Is he the big dog? Well, he's a, he, it looks like, and I could be very wrong, but it looks like he's with Lincoln in the North. So, so he's the good guy. I mean, if you're saying the Northerners are the good people, then yeah. I'll go with that knowledge then. Okay. So basically what we get here is the train, the general showing up here. And we've got Buster Keaton. Have you, got, have you gone with Buster throughout your notes here? I think I've gone Keaton. Oh, Keaton. Keaton. Although Buster works. Right. As long or. as you didn't go with Johnny Gray. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest. I watched this a week ago and then I watched it about an hour ago. And when it came up, Johnny, 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 I was like, oh, who the fuck's Johnny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a little bit when he's like, name, I ex- half expect him to go, Buster. It's like, yeah, that's right. That makes sense. Just keep it, a little, keep it that, please. Yeah. But you see him walking uh, up towards his lady's house did you notice every single person he walks past he has to do the tip of the hat for the men and the actual take off the hat for the ladies can you imagine how annoying that would be these days oh just because he's got you know a bit of class bit of manners that's how yeah some manners respect now would we now if we had the hat we'd be taking it down to cover our faces yeah if someone did walk past we'd be like yeah get away from me please what's with these kids following him yeah who are these kids and what is the rest of their story i Saw that apparently train conductors, engineers, and that they had their own little fan clubs. Like the kids were really impressed with trains. So they like, they revered this guy. So they would follow him. Certainly doesn't act like a man who's revered. He definitely doesn't. All these, all these little gags going along the way here. Like he's not waiting at the door and she's standing right behind him. It's just, this is classic silent era comedy right here. What do you think of our uh, damsel in distress in this film? I feel, uh, I feel like she gives up on him pretty quickly. Yeah, she's. She's not the greatest, let's be honest. And I feel like when she tells him, you know, I won't speak to you until you put the uniform on, and then right at the end, after he has basically saved her life, she only gets super attached and aroused to him once he gets promoted and has a uniform back on. Yeah. I mean, there really is no redeeming arc for her, is there? No. It's a shame. They weren't the prettiest girls in the 20s, were they? (laughs) Are you going off a, a, a sample size of one here? Nah, I'm, I'm pretty sure in the Chaplin movie as well that we did. Have we done more than one? Do we only do City Lights? We've done City Lights, yeah, and, and and Sherlock Jr., but you can't remember that. Actually, I don't know if that's the same girl. I don't know. I mean, she was probably it and a bit back in the 20s. I feel like I've seen her before. Something about her face, you know. Maybe it's the lipstick that has, like, the massive, like, love heart shape at the top or the really long eyebrows or the disgusting hairstyle. <laughs> Or the really ugly dress with the big hoop at the bottom. Like, who invented the hoop? God, that looked annoying. All right, looking at her filmography, and I have not seen her in anything else. (laughs) (laughs) The general, easily her biggest role. Easily. Yeah, but the war's about to start, so, you know, everyone's super pumped and keen to enlist and get get involved and represent their their side of the country. Yeah, because one of their forts has been fired upon, then war is here. Now, this is set in 1865, yeah? Now, in my very extremely quick brief research of the Civil War, it actually says the Civil War finished in 65. 
So maybe this is like remnants of armies around the place. Well, don't they? Doesn't it flash forward to a year later in a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it so does. It must be. It must be at the very tail end of this war. Hence, why I thought this end, this this war here might have ended it. I don't know. I personally, I'd go off wiki rather than this movie for uh, facts <laughs> on war. <laughs> But no, we see uh, her brother. I mean, does this woman have a, a name, by the way? Annabelle. Okay, so woman. Um, she has a brother. She has a dad. They're so excited to enlist in war. Yes. I mean, times have changed, haven't they? I mean, who would want to go to war? But I think back in the day, war was like really heroic. People oh, it's wanted all, it's to a, be it's heroes. It's a man's man. It's all manly. That's that's what the you know. That's how it was back in the day in the old twenties. It's all about the men. Thank God we weren't then. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been running the other way. Nah, <laughs> uh, but I think what war? What war was it that actually changed the sort of opinion on war? Was it? Was it the Vietnam War where the, the heroes know. or the so-called heroes, you know, came back and they weren't revered as they were in, say, World War Two, World War One? You got me. I'm stumped. Try to have an educated conversation with your hand. I'm trying to talk about the movie. <laughs> People don't want to hear about the general. <laughs> this is what you do. You see the movie like, oh, let's talk about history and real things. Start your own podcast then. <laughs> yeah, but Buster, he tries to enlist. He's really keen. He like jumps first in line. Twice. And, you know, they, they secretly say behind the doors, you know, he's an engineer. He's worth better as an engineer, so let's not enlist him. Why don't they tell him that? Yeah, this, this is terrible man management from these bosses at this enlistment. If they see someone, they're like, mate, you're too smart. We need you working on trains, being an engineer. That's fine. You know, yeah. he can go back to his woman and say, listen, they said I was too good to be a soldier. Instead, he just goes back empty-handed. And these, these family members of this woman, they're so mean. Oh, he didn't even get in line. What a coward. Oh, excuse me, did you, not see, did you not see him get kicked out of the place? Yeah. And she just takes it at face value, like we said. She's like, you're lying to me. Get away from me. I don't respect you anymore. And he's like, because he doesn't know, he just thinks, oh, I'm, I'm you know, not worthy of the war. I'll just go back and live my life as an engineer. Yeah. We kind of get a bit of a filler scene here with the dad going through the letters inside, throwing some away. Then he throws Keaton's photo away. And that's it for the scene. Show, it shows they've disgraced him. He's out of the family. Oh, I thought you might have said, oh, I didn't see that one. That must have been those extra four minutes I got. <laughs> no, I got that. Was it, was it a four-minute scene? <laughs> I mean, it felt like it. I'm watching, I'm like, okay, where is Keaton? <laughs> no, Keaton's sitting on the side of the train as it starts to move off, going up and down. Is that iconic? I yes. feel like I've seen that before. Yeah. Does the he do it in movie other is- movies? Is that like his signature you know, no, go-to I don't think- move? I don't think it is, but because it's such a... It, it could have been a pretty serious injury if, like, the wheels had spun out. Like, you see it later on when the wheels spin out, how fast they were going. If he's sitting on that thing and it spins out, he's going to get flung off that. I mean, he does a lot more dangerous things in this film than that. Yes, and this is the first one setting up the lowest of danger here, coming up to the massive bits of danger he has bestowed upon him later. Why would the lowest of the danger be the most famous? It's not the most famous. But it is iconic. Yes, there's a lot of iconic scenes in this film. All right, let's get to them then. Just like this next scene. Of General Thatcher and Captain Anderson <laughs> discussing how they're going to take take down the South. Like you said, you wouldn't use the words long or tedious, but this scene gives it a run for its money. <laughs> I mean, to be, to be fair, I, I did a little bit of research on this film briefly. And apparently at the time for silent films, they would have roughly about 200 title cards throughout the film. Whereas this film had, what, probably, I think, 30. Like, Buster Keaton would use minimal subtitles throughout this film. God, didn't feel like 30. Felt like less. Could have been. Yeah, there's not much at all, really. 
I think most of them are right here explaining what they're planning to do. Yeah, which I guess you need. You do need some setup of what the North are doing, but those dastardly Northerners. <laughs> but they do exactly what they would need to. They uh, hijack the train, disconnect it. Unfortunate for old Annabelle, just needed to be uh, getting the thing out of her suitcase right at that very moment. Yeah, I mean, there's always casualties of war. You know, they say the first casualty of war is innocent, Sendo. <laughs> I don't think they said that back then. <laughs> Jeez, everyone gives up on this train pretty quickly, don't they? I mean, yes. They're never going to catch it on foot, so do you blame them? Yeah, I mean, they do try and send out their little SOS things and they cut the cords on the communication pretty quickly, so yeah, all right. I mean, but would you say Buster Keaton is, in this film is one of the most oblivious characters ever put to film? Oblivious ever put to film? I don't know about ever put to film, but he certainly this has This guy his has no moments. spatial awareness. <laughs> Like, there are points where armies are next to him on either side of the tracks and he doesn't realise for ages. It's all part of the physical comedy, the double takes. Yeah. But yeah, he uses multiple different ways to try and catch up to this train. He gets that, that hand cart, that weird pushy thing. That yeah, doesn't the, work. I mean, it works. Until he falls off. Yeah, until it until he comes to the, what was it, the bit of wood, was it, at this point? That yeah. was on the tracks? Who knew that wood could be such a such a obstacle? I mean, I'm sure a lot of people in the 1800s. Would the enemy of all? It's on that weird. Is it? A, is it a penny farthing bike? Hey, it is a penny farthing. Well done. Yes. You may. I like the way he just jumps onto the the yeah, bit. That's cool. Terrible yeah. bike. Yeah, I always heard or thought that the penny farthing was like the first bike, like the original bike. Surely that can't be true. Surely someone thought, you know, what's better than one huge wheel and one little wheel? Maybe two wheels the same would be easier. Yeah, that's why the big wheel is the first one. They've tried that and they're like, this isn't working. Let's even out the wheels. But wouldn't you start with, you know, two the same? So you think they went two the same? No, let's go a big one. Oh, nah, that sucks. Let's go back to two small. Yes. No, I don't think that happened at all, ever. I'm surprised you didn't do your research on the history of the bike. I thought it would be more valuable use of my time to just watch the whole movie again. Clearly, I was wrong. Yeah, so what does he do? He he drops in and picks up a, a big cannon on the way here. Yeah, before we get to the cannon, though, he actually does get to another army encampment. He sees all these army men. They all, He tells them all. They jump on board. They jump on the train. He takes off. And he's undone the pin to that cart, though, and they don't move with him. And he goes off forward. Do you remember this? And that's this? where he does the old double take. He does the double take. Yeah. <laughs> Which was my first- Let's go, let's go. Oh, what the hell? That was my first chuckle for the film. (laughs) Had you laughed- Oh, did you laugh at this? Yeah, I did. It's because, like you said, the spatial awareness. His, his, like, just deadpan look, it did did get me this time. (laughs) But yeah, we talk about special effects and stunts in this film. The, The stunts in this film are ridiculous. This whole scene from, like, the, the setting up the cannon down to taking the planks off the track later is – it's crazy to think that this is actually happening. This is this is Buster Keaton doing this. Yeah, I would, I would be very curious as to how they filmed a lot of these scenes back then. But before we get to that, let's go back to the, con- the canon because it is my – Excellent! As is my – Excellent! Really? Yeah, I for sure thought you were going to go with the the bridge later. No, no, no. Like if I was to, I was I was thinking, is this? Do I incorporate the excellent as the cannon up until the planks on the ground coming up, or is it just the whole cannon section? And if I was to cut them in half, I would say that the cannon part 
probably is a bit more of an excellent than the the upcoming bit with the planks. But overall, this whole structure of a scene here, yeah, absolutely. I laughed very loudly when his first <laughs> cannonball laughed in his like driver's carriage cabin, whatever it is. That was hilarious. Was actually, there <laughs> were, that was actually pretty hard to do because the first time they tried to do that, the cannonball uh, shot over the train. Like it wasn't like it's supposed to in the movie. It's, it's yeah, supposed to happen, yeah. but in the in the real life, it actually he put too much gunpowder in there. So to get that right, he actually had to count the grains of gunpowder he had to put in there to get it perfect. Wow! And then when. He- <laughs> When it go when he ta- when he unwittingly takes the cannon away from his uh, train and he's holding it with his foot and he lets go and the cannon lowers yeah. so it's pointing at him. <laughs> that was funny. And when he's like trying to throw the the planks of wood at the cannon as well. Yeah. Like, Stop it! <laughs> yeah, no. This, this is like simultaneously hilarious as well as impressive. insanely insanely impressive. Yes, this whole scene is fantastic. And like of course, like there's a lot of um. Because of this slapstick style of humor, a lot of the big coincidences happen. Like, of course, the cannon fires directly when he's turning around the corner. Yeah, no, it's it's very well done. And they really set up the the throwing the planks on the train track around here because he's got the cartridge <laughs> in front is, of him. Yeah, how funny is this? When the cart's in front of him that the, the northerners have dropped behind to slow him down. And he, he changes the track, so the cart goes one way and he goes the other way. But the cart comes back in front of his, yeah. and he looks up, and he's just that deadpan again. It was like, oh, seriously? And even the big double take here, where because they've got the plank of wood on the ground, yeah. he turns around to fix something, and the, 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 the cartridge in front of him hits it, falls off the track. He turns around, it's gone. He's like, what the hell? <laughs> No, I agree. That was very funny. But even here with the planks on the ground, him essentially jumping off the train to pull this like plank a plank of wood. He is so close. That train like literally like lifts him off the ground just as he gets that plank. It is oh, like I had a I had a like a an actual reaction like oh, like oh shit, that is that is so dangerous. Uh, well, I didn't I didn't have any reaction like that. I got to say, like do you think those planks of wood were real? Yes. Like, surely they would be, like, dummy planks of wood. Because when you see him throwing these huge planks later, there's no way that's real wood. That stuff maybe is that, Maybe they weren't. But even if they even if they were dummy planks, he's still got a train about to, like, hit him. Well, you just jump and sit on the front. It's not like he had to do some, you know, wild aerobic stunt. He just sits backwards. If his foot is in between the planks and the train collects him, you think, oh, I'll just jump. I'll just jump onto the train. No, his foot's going to get collected. He's going to get taken under the train. He's going pretty slowly. Slow enough. It's not. It's that's even a train going that slow will still get you if your foot is in between planks. I don't think so. And even the the timing of him throwing the plank in his hand to have that other plank on the track like whip up and nearly smack him in the face. That was impressive. I wonder how many takes something like that took. Oh, I don't know about takes, but a lot of setup. Like if he misses that, then that plank of wood collects the train. Yeah. Again, I don't really think it's real wood. It can't. Yeah. Be. Star styrofoam. Yeah, that's what it would be. It's that light when he throws it, like just floats into the air. All right, let's get on to the next uh, Keaton has no spatial awareness scene where the tires are just spinning and they're going really fast. So he starts throwing these tiny amounts of sand <laughs> on the tires. It does actually start to go. I thought it was going to actually like do like a skid burnout on the tracks, but it just it starts going normally. And then he keeps kicking sand. Like trains are loud. How yeah. does he not hear that there is no longer a big engine next to him? I mean, this guy's an engineer. Dean, He's meant to be too Dean. smart to be a soldier. What? Dean, it's a, a silent film. He can't ah. hear anything. Ah, yes. Yes, I see. Where's that rim shot? What? Where's the rim shot? The- is that what that's called, a rim shot? Yes. You think it's something different. 
you sick bastard. I mean, if if you'd asked me what a rim shot is, then yeah, I probably would have said something else. <laughs> well, it's a combo of no, God, no. <laughs> what's what's his next obstacle here? Oh, yeah, uh, the, the big burning, cartridge full the, of uh, full of fire in the, on the bridge. Yeah, the burning the burning cart. Doesn't really Didn't slow really him down like a too big much. Obstacle. No, no, <laughs> that one was pretty. <laughs> sort of just, just nudges it out of the like yeah, nudges like it out of the bridge. One plank of wood. Yeah, that's that's a lot of work to get rid of. Two planks. Oh, look out! This is a really dangerous stunt coming up. But a whole cart that's on fire. Yeah, that's fine. Just push it out of the yeah, way. Just just nudge it out of the way. But you, I I think when you're talking about spatial awareness here, you are, you have to be talking about him cruising along here, chopping up this wood while he has basically the war happening right yeah. next to him. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Actually, how they did that was they had the, the same extras. They had about 500 extras here. They were Oregon National Guard troops. Basically, they had the they had the gray uniform on as they went past the, the camera on one side, and then they basically turned around, put the put the Northerners uniform on, and shot it around the other way at the same time. Nice. All right, so let's get to the next scene where I'm confident that the wood is not real wood and is, in fact, made of something much lighter, where the robbers are now on this bridge and they see the robbers. Are they robbers? The northerners uh, are on this yeah. bridge. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they actually see that the train chasing them only has Keaton on it. So they start throwing wood on top of him. And a lot of wood actually hits the train here. Yeah, and I think he realises now he's been found out he's definitely undermanned here. So he, he abandons the train and he's off into the woods by himself. And that's the yeah. end of the trains for a little bit. Yeah, cue huge amounts of rain. Yes, the rain the rain will come back into my notes very shortly, but we'll get back to that. Very big coincidence that he sneaks into the house. He just just turns out to be where all the leaders of the of the enemy is. Yeah, yeah, he's done well. He hears it all. He knows what the plan's going to be. They're going to, you know, get a sneak attack going on the next day on the on the south. Yeah, everything. A couple of little dumb little slapstick things under the under the uh, the table here. The you know, cigar. With the, boot, the cigar. Yeah, you know, whatever. It, it it adds a little bit of light humor to this part. This part, of course, Annabelle's here. Of course. Yeah. Yep. You know. I like that they they put her in the the guard's room and they tell him he's got to sleep on the floor. Yep. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, you serious? <gasps> They're so nice to her. But no, he saves her, gets her out of there. I did. I didn't mind the the humor reveal, like the lightning strikes, and uh, there's a bear right there in front of him. Yeah, I thought that was good. Yeah, pretty humorous. Although I, I doubt anyone could recover that quickly from multiple bear traps on their legs and hands. I mean, clearly the trap has no sharp edges. Yes. So why? Do you, obviously, you mean there's uh, for us the listeners or the, the watchers. But what about in the movie themselves? Is there supposed to be spikes there for them? Maybe they hadn't of they hadn't invented spikes on bear traps yet. So why are they acting in so much pain at this very moment, only to go? Okay, let's go. Get I mean, up and it's run. still it's still a clamp that's you know holding them. Not, I mean, if there's it's nothing, metal no clamp spi- on a spring that has hit them, yes, like they'll be bruised. But if there's no, if there's no spikes digging into their body, it's not as bad as they think it is, and they could easily slip out of that. I disagree. I think the spring would be pretty strong. I think there's supposed to be spikes there. Clearly, I don't there's think not so in because the making of this movie, they would not be able to walk. Exactly, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. But she's sitting there all like, "Oh, my leg, my leg, my leg." We gotta go. Okay. Yeah, him too. Like he gets both his hands and his foot stuck in this thing. Yes, it should not be able to function. It's not meant to be spikes. I didn't see spikes. It's just a clamp. Of course, you didn't see spikes. They're not going to have spikes realistically when filming. I don't think there was meant to be spikes. Hold on, let me just wiki it. Oh, okay. So, so the spikes were not invented yet. (laughs) (laughs) Spikes were not invented. No, but they decide to wait until morning. They're going to, you know, uh, tough it out yeah, in the Yeah, which in I'm, the rain. I'm not sure was the best idea. Like, they 
as far as I could tell, are basically in the backyard of this general's house. Yep. <laughs> and instead of trying to get as much distance between them and the house, they're like, let's just sleep outside. We'll be yeah, fine. we've got to do it. No, but, you know, she goes on, says, you know, he was brave for doing what he did. And he did the way he acts is like, oh, well, you know, uh, you know, I was just, I was just doing, you know, I was, wasn't really thinking about it. I was just, uh, just doing my thing. He realized, oh, she's actually getting back into me here a little bit. Well, she thinks he's come to save her. Yeah. He's like, uh, I didn't even know you were on the drain. <laughs> so we get this title card after a nice, quiet, refreshing night's rest. Wasn't it raining and pouring? Thunder and lightning. With bear traps and bears. Yes, and bears. <laughs> <laughs> so they wake up and they're completely dry, of course. Of course. And they've got, uh, they find the bag of empty shoes, which no, I no, thought No, 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 no. No, no. They wake up and the train station is immediately right there in front of them. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they do find this sack with shoes in it and Buster Keaton has the idea to put her. The woman in there. Annabelle. And put her on the train, which is fine. That was pretty funny when he loses his shoe and he's got to go through the pile of shoes to find a shoe. Yeah, it was okay. Did you chuckle at it? Nah, I didn't. He certainly uh, was very keen to get her into the sack, though, wasn't he? Oh, God. Did you get that on your first watch or your second? That was a second viewing joke, that one. (laughs) (laughs) It was all worth it then. He was like, oh, he's, he does some funny things with her, though. Like, he's hitting her on the head at this point. Like, yeah, shut up. Get in there. <laughs> yeah, like forcing her down. Well, only you. But it's funny because once he steals the train here and, you know, starts leaving this area, we sort of get the reverse of what happened on the way there. So his first move once he takes his train away is to cut the power lines of communication. So then we see the enemy trying to do the Morse code and they, they're not able to do it. I thought that was good. Yeah, so apparently they, apparently they need to pick up more firewood. Yeah, we're, Don't I'm they have gl- like a whole carriage full of them? I'm glad I wasn't the only person who thought this. <laughs> they literally have the the first carriage, right? The one that's driving it, the engine. And then they have the first carriage, which is full of wood. And they stop and say, we need to get more wood. And he gets like four planks. Yeah. All to set up the gag of him not being able to throw them in there properly, which was okay. It was fine. Did you chuckle? I, ch- I chuckled when he went to throw like the fourth one in and he knocked all the other ones out. Yeah, that was very funny. She's got the right idea though, tying the two trees together. Yeah, not Quick just thinking. a pretty face. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Mind you, I thought this was really good here where they're chasing him down and you get a quick glimpse of the knocked out soldier in the train. I'm like, oh, all right, you gotta, you got to remind everyone, oh, here's this guy, remember, he's knocked out, he's still there, you know exactly what's going to happen here. And it cuts back to him and he starts to wake up and I'm, I'm all for, yep, she's going to get kidnapped here. No, bang, he gets knocked out and goes back down immediately with Buster coming back. I thought, wow, I did not expect that. That's very oh, good. Plot twist. Yeah, old 1926 plot twist. I didn't think any of the water gags were funny. We didn't even mention it on the way there. Yeah. Like, they get wet. That's fine. Oh, but they know how to get dry during the cold, wet night, so I'm sure that shouldn't be a problem to get dry again. Hmm. But you talk about spatial awareness, not just for him, but for everyone right here. How do they not see a big tank of water flowing out and they all get dre- they all get drenched like, what was that? Oh, how did that happen? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Actually, that scene where Annabelle was drenched with water, Marion Mack uh, told in an interview that she didn't know that was going to happen. So her reaction to that happening was of genuine shock. I guess maybe they knew she couldn't act. <laughs> Jeez. All right. I thought it was good how they catch up and they try to attach themselves to the back carriage only to quickly pan to Buster removing the pin from his train. Yep, yep, that was fun. But they've got the right idea here where they actually damage the the metal track here. Yeah. Because this slows them down for a very long time now. 
oh, this this is their clincher. This is their demise. Yes. And they go, there's this whole bit where he he doesn't catch up to the train, so he runs down the hill and she she backs up the train. And they kind of meet up in the middle here where the where the enemy, the nor- the northerners, they go up the ramp. Yeah, they're right next to them. Like, did they you still have that guns. That, did you notice that that was shot in reverse? No. The steam was going into the train. Oh, I didn't notice that. Were, the, yeah, were because, there people moving? Yes. and like, But it was like Buster was looking back and forth, so you couldn't tell if he was doing it you know, the right way or not. But because the train is going up that ramp and they clearly don't want that to fall off the edge, they must have had it set up so it was at the top of the ramp and it back down. Huh, very good pickup from you there, Hendo, if it's true. Thank you. It is definitely true. <laughs> no, Keaton and the woman, they start a fire on the Rock River Bridge. Yep, of course he's on the wrong side of the fire. I like that uh, the woman's throwing down planks of wood and she throws like this bit of kindling down and he just grabs it and piffs it back at her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now he's got to jump through the fire. Oh, and he actually falls down, doesn't he? Yeah, you yeah. see, you see him, like he falls through the hole and it cuts to him falling in the water. But he but- managed to get back. Not without almost getting shot at because he's wearing the wrong uniform. Changes that really quick. Yeah, very pianist of him. Yeah, but the South have basically got the stranglehold on him now. They've got the news. They're going to head back out. And silly Northerners, they try to cross the bridge. Oh, yeah, that bridge, is that, that'll hold the train. Yeah, Just gets completely the, destroyed. Yeah, of course, the guy who says, yeah, that'll hold the train is someone who will not be on the train when it goes over. And they really don't care about this guy at all because he thought the train goes down, met with this little, like, the music's just like, Whoop. it's like, that guy just died, man. <laughs> Like, surely back in the day, was this train going down a huge thing? Oh, it definitely was. This scene where the train was actually called the Texas. It crashed through the bridge. Uh, I think you'll find about- it's the General. No, oh, it's no, not the General. No, it's not the General. <laughs> oh, jeez, Dean. It cost about $50,000 at the time. It had six cameras and thousands of local extras in it. It was the single most expensive shot in the entire silent movie era. It actually stayed in that river until World War II when it was salvaged for scrap iron. Oh, I thought it might have been miniatures. Nope, legit train. Do they really, really could have saved some bucks with some miniatures there? Wouldn't have looked as good. Yep, the South get the jump sneak attack on here. Apparently, all these little explosions around that caused a, a small forest fire, so they had to stop filming so they could put it all out. It's unfortunate. Now, Buster with his flimsy sword here, where it keeps falling out and he keeps putting the handle back in. I thought, man, this was going on for too long. It just, just stopped the joke. It's not funny, but it paid off. So much when it happens again and he kills the guy because of it. Yeah, I, I didn't find that was uh, that was going on too long. I thought it was funny. And as you say, the ending definitely warranted the setup. Especially when he's talking to the canon people and every time he's, he tries to tell them something, they die. He's like, is, is this because of me? Yeah, but they get shot right in front of him. And again, like I know it's a silent film, but the world they're living in is not silent. Yeah, but this is, this is Buster Keaton. He has that, like you said, that he's so unaware of his surroundings. Hmm. And then they break the dam and the river no, he floods. Accidentally, he accidentally breaks the dam by lifting the cannon up in the air. Yeah, I feel like this would have been hard to do. It's a lot of water. Yeah, I don't think that was a miniature either. But the South win. The South are victorious here. And all is right in the world. Yeah, Buster gets promoted to lieutenant and uh, Annabelle is all for him now. Yeah, I really like the last scene here. This was this was actually close to my excellent. Actually, if I'm being honest, this was my excellent on the first time viewing. But uh, I don't know. It, I've got to say, it is a different experience watching it, not doing any notes, and just you know letting yourself have fun with the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But no, this last scene is good. Yep, they end up uh, having a nice, passionate kiss while they're saluting every single soldier that walks past. Yeah. And that's going to do it. Any last words? Final thoughts, Dean. Yeah. So. I actually thought this was the first time I'd seen it, and as we were doing the podcast, I went to log it, and I've actually seen it before. Oh, there you go. I had no memory of it whatsoever. I gave it- I logged it as two stars. Uh, On my viewing of it a week ago, 
I had it as two and a half. And as of my viewing today, I'm actually going to bump it up because I did have much more fun with it. I laughed more. You know, it was, it was, it was, it was, it's a fun movie. I know it's hard to judge a movie that was made in 1926 today, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am going three stars with this one. I thought it was fun enough. Keaton's good. The gags are okay. Some funny moments. The stunts, you seem like you're more of a fan of than I am. But for a 1926 film, it's, it's fine. Three stars. Very good. Well, like you said, you have to you have to take these silent films as what they were, and trying to compare them to the modern films you see now, you, you really got to take it with a grain of salt, I guess. And that being said, I feel like the way this story is told and presented, I think, was really easy to understand. It's fluent. I had no dramas, not following anything in this film. In terms of a silent film, this this was fun. This was a, a really entertaining piece of cinema, like from. From start to finish, I think the action and the adventure was great. From you know the moment the chase started to right at the end with the, the big shootout, the big war at the end, amazing stunts throughout this film. Some very laugh out loud humor, some hit and miss. Other questionable things happen throughout the film, but still really entertaining film. I originally I logged it at four stars, which uh, nah nah nah, it's not four stars. I'm actually I'm dropping it down to three and a half. Still generous, but okay. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dan, where's this going to sit on your rankings? All right, let's go to number 56 on my list out of 64. I think that's a good place to start because my number 56 is City Lights. And I do like this one more than City Lights. And actually, the next one above that at 55 is Sherlock Jr. And I do like this more than Sherlock Jr., especially considering I remember absolutely nothing from Sherlock Jr. But seeing I gave it two and a half, I'm going to say I like this one more. And then it comes up against Some Like It Hot, and I think it's going to stop there. So I'm going to have all three of our silent films one after the other. So The General is my new number 55. Okay, well, I'm going to start at the bottom of the list of my three-and-a-half-star films at number 58 with Wild Tales, and I think it's better than Wild Tales. It's better than Ben-Hur. It's better than Singing in the Rain, Cool Hand Luke, and Yojimbo. And we're up to City Lights, the silent film era film, and I think this is better than that too. Then we get to Paz of Glory, and I think it's going to stop there for me. So I'm going to put The General at number 53. Okay. Hey, listeners, we just want to take a quick second here to thank you for taking the time out of your day to come and listen to us banter on about movies and all things movie-related. Yeah, it really does mean a lot to the both of us. We're always looking to improve our show and get our name out there, and there's a couple of ways you can help us. Yeah, one of the easiest ways is to just get the word of mouth out there. Let your family and friends know about the show and where they can find us, which is pretty much everywhere. Places like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and of course, Podbean. We're very thankful to Podbean for taking on our podcast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's a great hosting site with a great app to go with it. Yeah, what I like about Podbean's app is you can actually comment on the episode you're listening to and it goes straight to us and we can reply back immediately. We've also opened up a new little merch store over on Public. We've got uh, a couple of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and all that good stuff for sale. So if you're at all interested in getting a little bit of Movie Journey sweet, sweet merch, head on over there and see if anything tickles your fancy. Amazing! And if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can do so over on Twitter. Hendo controls our main handle at the Movie Journey and I am at Dean's 250 Journey. You can also check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the movie journey. Our letterbox pages where we keep our film diaries up to date. I'm at letterboxd.com slash Dino underscore J88. Really rolls off the tongue. And you can find Hendo at letterbox.com slash Hendo. And we also have a new 
Facebook discussion group. Yeah, a little listener community going on over there. Yeah, head on over, join up. We'd love for you to be a part of the discussion. Exactly. Another way to help us out is to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes for us. Or if you're really loving the show and want more, why not check out our Patreon, where we post another weekly show, breaking down films not on the IMDb Top 250 list. Yeah, we've got over 70 episodes over there, including such classic film series like the Die Hard series, X-Men series, Mission Impossible series, as well as some notable film directors such as Wes Anderson, Edgar Wright, and even Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that's right. There's also tons of benefits over there. Early access to our main show, patron-only polls that we put out on the regular. Yeah, exactly. You can even shape the show the way you want to by telling us what films you would like us to break down. So what's coming up this week, mate? Well, Dean, it's another patron-requested review, and it comes to us from our awesome patron, Heffer, and he has selected Chopper. Ah, little Chop-Chop. Uncle Chop-Chop. Interesting. Interesting pick, Heffer. Such a funny movie. I wonder if like our non-Australian listeners have any idea what this film is. Well, if they don't, they're in for a surprise, aren't they? Absolutely. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, head on over to patreon.com slash themoviejourney and check out the myriad of rewards and benefits we have to offer. Right, mate, it's time for... We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this could be it. Oh... And let's check on our review here from our patron, Chris Beetzel. For a film that is nearly 100 years old, this is really well made and Keaton is an absolute madman for the stunts he pulled off. At its core, this is a chase film and while watching it, I couldn't get over how going from this in 1929 and then nearly 90 years later getting something like Fury Road is just outstanding. Looks like we weren't the only people that thought the uh, Fury Road got his inspiration from this. Stole, Hendo. Stole its entire (laughs) plot is the words you were looking for. Will I watch this again? Probably not, but as far as whom history lessons go, I'm really glad I saw The General. Three and a half stars. Uh, thank nice. you very much for that review, mate. But of course, we've got... Shane! All right, strap yourselves in for this one. Now, we know, Sh- we know Brother Shane is a massive film connoisseur and seeing such classic cinema, I'm, I'm very curious to see how we go here. The short version of the review is, I couldn't get into it. The long version of the review is... I really couldn't get into it. My oh. favorite part <laughs> my favorite part of the general was when I was able to vacuum my whole room without pausing the movie. <laughs> you know, it was good to be able to get up and move around as opposed to just sitting there getting fisted by this thing. <laughs> oh shit. So we've all seen good silent movies. Sherlock Jr. is actually pretty good. So Buster can make good movies. For the entire duration of The General, though, I barely knew what was happening. Maybe because you were cleaning your room the whole time. Yeah, maybe because you weren't sitting down. Some wacky stuff with a train, apparently. (laughs) Apparently. (laughs) I think you watched this film. (laughs) And there's a war on. And there's some problems with him trying to get enlisted. Nope. This movie is special in the way that I just watched it, but I feel like I didn't watch it. Yeah, funny about that. Because you were vacuuming. (laughs) I could barely tell you anything about it. Who is giving this 10 stars on IMDb? Lol. Awesome. These are like these joke reviews that we read on the IMDb review game, Hendo. (laughs) What what rating did he give it? Half a star. Oh, shit. That That is the worst rated review that we've done so far by Shane. That is incredible. Ah, Well, sorry for picking that, Shane, I guess. 
Yeah, hopefully hopefully with the next pick, he has a better reaction. All right, mate, let's take a look at some of the polls I've put up on Twitter about the films we've done breakdowns on and whether or not they should be in the top 250 films of all time. And let's start off with Catch Me If You Can. What do you reckon here, Dean? No. 68% say no. Yep, makes sense. Infernal Affairs is next. Surely not. 74% say no. I wonder if people who haven't seen the movies are voting on it. Do you ever vote on Twitter polls, even if you have no idea what the hell is just going on? No. Do you? Yeah, of course. I love voting. You vote on the one that you think is going to be winning. And then you run. Oh, no, I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I try and get like the only person <laughs> who voted for something so they can say, somebody voted for this. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened with our Hutchie poll. How dare you? All right, what about Alien, Dean? Uh, I'm going to say yes. 80% say yes. <coughs> wow. 80, really? <laughs> wow. I just spit I, up your drink. <laughs> I actually voted no on that. <laughs> And our last one here is today's breakdown. The general. What do you think? Surely not. 51% What? say no. Oh, good. Good. Wow. <laughs> is that our lowest uh, receiving vote poll, you reckon? 51? No, 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 no. Like number, actual number of votes. I can't imagine it was a lot. Uh, no, I got a fair few votes. I'm pretty sure like things like Wild Tales and that got the lowest, lowest amount of votes. Oh, okay. All right, mate, let's get to... That's my question! The question, jerk! where we asked you, what is your favourite silent film? And let's start off over on Twitter. First one here from Carsten. The Passion of Joan of Arc, easily. Krishna the King says City Lights. Henry Dreadful goes with Metropolis. Paddy Newman says The Kid. Is that the yep. Bruce Willis film? Did he not speak in that? Only you would think it's the Bruce Willis film. Unkill Man 87 says The Artist. The Oddball Aussie says The Story of the Kelly Gang. From 1906, the world's first feature-length film made here in Australia. Wow. Bit of, there a, you go. bit of an oddball fact there for you, Hendo. Oh, come on, Dean. I expect nothing less. Jessica goes with Sherlock Jr. D. Jarrett McColl says Battleship Pokemon, I think it is. What? Battleship Potemkin. I was ah. going to ask you how many of these you've seen so far. Okay. Uh, all right, well, let, let's... I, reckon, I think three. Well, I've seen City Lights, I've seen The Artist, and I've seen Sherlock Jr. I haven't seen Joan of Arc, haven't seen Metropolis, haven't seen The Kid, haven't seen The Kelly Gang, haven't seen Pokemon. <laughs> what about you? What are you sitting at? Uh, the only one I haven't seen is The Kelly Gang. Oh, really? So you've seen the Battleship Patinkin? Yes, I have. How was it? We'll find out in my top five, won't we? Oh, so it makes an appearance in your top five. <laughs> we'll find out. If it's not in there, you know it's not as good. Iofronda Strum says, Passion of Joan of Arc. Mr. Gross says, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Here's one from Adrian. City Lights, followed by Passion of Joan of Arc. Ryan L. Terry says, Nosferatu. Have you seen that, Hendo? I have. Huh. Have you? No, I have not. <laughs> You're terrible. Gregory O'Neill says, Metropolis. Rogue Auteurs says, City Lights. Terry Plucknett says, Modern Times. Podcast HQ says, The Wind. Okay, there's one I haven't seen. The Movie Drone Podcast says, Safety Last. Matt Neglia at the Next Best Picture Podcast says City Lights. Mm, JD at the In Session Film Podcast goes with Modern Times. Noah Sternlaufa says The General. And our last one here from Top 5 Podcast, The Kid or The Lodger. Haven't heard of The Lodger. I've seen The Kid though. All right, let's go and check out some answers from our patrons. First one here from Julio at The Contrarians. Modern Times. Chris Beardsell says Nosferatu. Fair enough. The Roughhouse Podcast says Mel Brooks's Silent Movie. And lastly, here from our patrons from Ben Mulverhill, Nosferatu for me. I'd love to hear you guys break that one down. Yeah, that would mean that Dean would have to watch a silent film every once in a while to do that. I realise I have some holes in my movie watching, particularly I would say Metropolis. 
I think that's probably the big one that I should have seen. Fair enough. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for putting in your responses, but let's get to our top five silent films. And as usual, we'll kick it off with you. What is your number five? Sherlock Jr. Ah, Sherlock Jr. Uh, My number five is another Buster Keaton classic, Steamboat Bill Jr. Of course. Is that like the general, but on a boat? I actually talked about this in a What Else I've Been Watching a little while ago. It's the one where the house fall de- falls down around him. Is this like the plot of uh, Apocalypse Now? How so? Or do they go up a river and then down a river? <laughs> Honestly, it's been that long. I don't remember what the plot is. Yes. <laughs> yes, of course. All right, my number four is Modern Times. All right, my number four is The Artist. My number three is City Light. Ooh, that's my number three too. Ooh, my number two. Ooh, get excited! <laughs> my number two is the general. Ah, that's my number two as well. Here comes the general, and my number one is the artist. Okay, my number one is Metropolis. Ah, does that make you want to watch it even more? I mean, I don't know. You you told me you gave the general four stars on your first watch, so God knows how much Metropolis actually holds up for you. Well, you'll just have to watch it uh, twice. To uh, bump up your rating like you did with the general. Hey, if it's good enough, I'll watch it more than that. All right, Dean, we put another poll up for what is your favourite silent film. Let's see what took the prize this time. All right, coming in fifth place here with 8% of the vote is Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. You heard of that film at all? No. It's in the top 250. Yeah, I've seen (laughs) it. Is it? it? Yeah. Really? A Tale of Two Humans. Yeah. Sounds sounds original. Sounds like it's spoiling it. Coming in fourth place with 10% is today's breakdown, The General. Tied for second and third with 11% each is City Lights and The Passion of Joan of Arc. Interesting. And number one with 14% of the vote is Metropolis. Nice. Yeah, seems like the crowd is very on point there. Do you ever wonder why The Passion of Joan of Arc wasn't just called Joan of Arc, considering it'd be like the first movie ever about Joan of Arc? Like, how passionate was she that they needed to include it in the title? That's what I want to know. Very passionate. Is it in the top 250? You don't even know. <laughs> well, when when I watched it, it was, So, but I don't know if it's actually gone out of the list or not yet. You don't know if it's held up over the last couple of years? <laughs> <laughs> it held up for 90 years and then just took a sharp dive. Yeah. There's this tournament. Let the tournament begin! All right, Dean, it's time to find out the results of round six of our Tournament of Champions. First match here, the Empire Strikes Back easily takes down 12 Angry Men, 61%. Next up, we have the Nolanoff, the Dark Knight up against Inception. And it's not even close. The Dark Knight wins easily with 65%. That's right. On to the next match here, Pulp Fiction takes down Casablanca pretty easily here, 62%. Yeah, Casablanca really not doing very well. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> And lastly here, we have Psycho up against A New Hope. And this one is a bit closer. 55% winner is Psycho. A New Hope actually hasn't won a single match yet. It is sitting firmly at number eight on the list. Do you reckon it's because you called it A New Hope and not Star Wars? Do you think the Star Wars people know what A New Hope is and would vote for it? I think it would blow their mind. (laughs) What is this New Hope film you're talking about? (laughs) (laughs) All right, after round six here, let's take a look at the standings. Equal first here is me, still. Ah, sucker, Dean. You've actually dropped. You went lower. Yeah, I didn't have the best round. Uh, up the top there with me, we've also got David Powell, Brother Shane, Dave from the Super Movie Bros, Ben Mulverhill, and Tom Schutzer with one round left. Wow, not not as impressive when there's a heap of people on the same amount as you, though, Hendo, is it? Makes it even worse that you're not there. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, that's I, right. I got, yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. All right, that brings us to our final round here. 
Round seven, and we've got The Empire Strikes Back versus Psycho, Inception versus A New Hope, Pulp Fiction versus 12 Angry Men, and The Dark Knight versus Casablanca. Oh, some good matches there. So, what's next? All right, Dean, just, I, I, <laughs> I really, really think I know what you're going to say, but maybe you might surprise me. What, do you what got am I going to say? What am I going to say? No, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it because it's going to put you, it's not, not. I'm not going to say it. What's your name, man? Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> Let's do it, Endo. I've got Hamilton fever. I don't know about you, but I'm excited. It popped in. God knows how long it'll be there. Let's uh, let's jazz this one out. Wow, all right. We are doing a breakdown of Hamilton. I don't know how the hell we're going to break this. What about this song? Oh, this is a good song. Next song. Next song. Next song. No, Next song. I, it's just going to be you. It's going to be you no, singing. I think, I think, no, it won't be just me. You've got to bring the, the tunes as well. I think I won't it'll be just any of these songs in the podcast. I'll tell you that it'll be me and you just singing every song. What else can we do? We can do top, you know, top five, you know, performances, top five songs. There's a whole range of stuff we can do. Hendo, top five founding fathers. Boom, got it. Yes, nice. And my nice. number one is I Hamilton. Like I like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that is not next week because next week will be Pod v Pod. 40, and we've got a very special guest coming on for this one because it's going to be Daniel versus Dean next time, as what we do every 10 Pod V Pods. So I'm ready for another good battle against you, mate. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I've wiped the floor with you the last couple of times, haven't I, Hendo? No, not a couple of times. I'm pretty sure we've done th- like three total, and it's a two to one at the moment. So it's not mopping the floor, it's just a head. Pretty sure I've been uh, taking care of you pretty easily. No, nah, I disagree. But I did say guest because we're going to have a guest host, guest referee, who's going to be and giving us the questions, making it uh, an interesting battle, I must say. <laughs> I wonder who he's going to favour. Yeah, and we are we are bringing in arguably the trivia master. It's fair to say, Hendo. Yeah, he's won so many times. We just need to push him to the sidelines, and he can just ask the questions from now. We are talking, of course, about Sam Hurley from the movie reviews and Twenty Qs. He's going to be coming on as our guest quiz master. Uh, I'm I'm pumped. I can't wait for this one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. All right, thank you very much, everyone, for checking out this episode, and we will see you next week for Pod V Pod Forty. Bye.